0: So good morning. As Will's mentioned, uh, we are in a season of, of grieving here at Redstone Church. And so what we walk into this morning is um, truly, um, we walk into days um, that we would uh, rather dodge. And yet it is one of those moments where it's inevitable for all of us. Um, and so this past season for, this, uh, for our church... It seemed like the first five years of our existence, uh, we were truly just, just skyrocketing, and just there was there was just nothing that, uh, oh, there's, here we go, yeah, awesome. Um, it just seemed like there was just there was nothing that could, you know, stand in our way, and just this last year, uh, for whatever reason, the Lord has put a pause. Um, on that. And um, not that uh, every day for this past year has been a day of turmoil, but it seems that more and more the Lord has just had us in a season of suffering. Uh, We've had sickness, of course. Uh, We've had people move off that we dearly loved. We've had surgeries. We've had prognoses that we would rather not have. And of course, this week, um, as I'm sure most of us are familiar, uh, we've had death. And so at times like this, uh, the weight of bad news can simply overwhelm us and overwhelm me. Um, I have a pastor who disciples me, who walks alongside. Um, and so this past season, been able to reach out to him and just offer and, or ask for help. Um, so asking advice and just needing some prayer from him uh, he had a layover uh, two weeks ago in Atlanta, and it was one of those phone calls that you just lean on. And so there my friend, uh, another pastor, um, he just listened to me. He cried with me. Um, he got mad with me. And he just absorbed um, just the season that we were in. Um, And so whether we're in suffering or whether we're in a season or grief or not, the way the Christian community is put together is that we just, we all absorb it. We can't dodge it. And that's what being the body of Christ is, the family of faith is. And it was during that conversation where um, a sermon like this um, really started to make sense. Because somewhere in this conversation, My friend said this, besides preaching the gospel, potentially or perhaps uh, the very best ministry that you'll have to your people will be in teaching your people how to suffer. Um, None of us can dodge suffering or grief. It's a part of our life. And what he was about to teach us or tell us is that That we have the gospel that is real and true and good. And then there's also this suffering. And there's something in suffering that kind of gets at the heart of who we are. But he didn't stop there. He said, besides preaching the gospel, perhaps teaching your people how to suffer well is your best ministry. And so this morning... That's what we hope to do. We hope to just give us some parameters, um, just a, a just a railroad tracks or just something to hold us in line in seasons like this. Um, we currently live in a culture um, that um, wants us um, to survive, survival of the fear, fittest, and live in a society and a culture that wants us to thrive on the next kind of emotional high, and so. Whether we know it or not, in our heart of hearts, in our mind, and in our culture, anything that looks like suffering or anything that looks like death or anything that causes anxiety or hurt or pain or looks like loss whatsoever, any of those things feels wrong. And so as a society, we've pushed it aside as if it doesn't matter Or even worse, that it shouldn't bring some value to our life. But should that be our default? As a family of faith, as children of God, should we just push aside anxiety or loss or suffering or pain or grief as if it brings no benefit whatsoever? This morning, we hope to lean on a scripture. (laughs) talk a little bit about it, and lean on another scripture and talk about it a few times. Because we believe what the scriptures tell us is that pain can bring us and benefit us in some ways. I don't know where I would be today, especially after a week like this, where I, would, where I did not have the scriptures You see, because I can easily let my emotions get away with me. I'm an emotional person. Or the rational piece of me can get all sideways, and I can ration myself through this and make it seem like it's silly that God would uh, allow these types of things. And yet we have the scriptures. And so today we will not be devoid of emotion. We'll actually encourage it. We will not be devoid of reason. We'll actually chronologically work out some things. However, what our base is, is finding what our truth from the written scriptures of what God says about suffering, not what we feel whatsoever. And so in a season like this, I would thank God for the scriptures. If you got an assignment from your teacher, To go find a person who has suffered and interview that person just to figure out what they felt like or what they thought about or or what they leaned on, where would you turn? Who are the types of people that you would lean on for that type of interview? I don't know who came to mind that you would actually walk along that interview with. But the scriptures tell us that you wouldn't have to go any farther than the person sitting right next to you. Because we have gospel truths, but then we also all have stories of heartache or suffering and pain. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to be interviewing the people closest to us to see and to understand how we all deal with suffering. In, the, in that interview, you would find a few things that were interesting, perhaps something that was impactful, but all stories of suffering are sad. This past week, this past season, this past year should have, should have impacted all of us. We are now drawing a circle around the entire congregation to say this impacts us. This is not an individual thing. This is an us thing because we are to grieve and grieve well. And so this morning, we're going to just talk about three things. We're going to talk about, and I don't even know if you can put suffering as possessive, but I did. We're going to talk about three things, just suffering's emotions. We're then going to talk about the impact that suffering has on us. And then lastly, we'll talk a little bit about suffering's timing. Because all too often, right, the timing is could not be worse. And so first and foremost, let's talk a little bit about the emotions that we have. If you've got your Bibles, I would like for you to turn to John 11. This is a famous passage that, that some of us are super familiar with. It goes all the way through to verse 37. I will not read all 37 verses of it. But if you start in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, you just see kind of the heading is that, that uh, the death of Lazarus is coming. This is a friend of Jesus. This is a friend of a, you know, the family that's, that took care of Jesus in, in, in some of his last days and actually show up at his cross. And so these are close friends. The main characters, of course, is Mary and Martha and Lazarus who, di- Lazarus who dies. We then see, if you just kind of draw your finger to verse 17, you kind of see another heading where Jesus, it seems like, is, is, is using this narrative of Lazarus' death to actually talk about theologically what he is. And what he is is no more, no less than the resurrection and life. He breathes into dead things, he will say. And then verse 28, this is where we all are. And it says, actually, no, I'm sorry. That's later on. That's, that's verse 32, but I'll, I'll start reading in 28. And I'll let you know where, where we are verse 28 says this and when she had said this she went and she called her sister mary saying in private the teacher is here and is calling for you and when she heard it she rose quickly and went to him when jesus had not yet come into the village she was still in the place where martha had met him when the jews were with her in the house they were consoling her saw mary rise quickly and go out and so they followed him followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb Verse 32, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at Jesus' feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so the first thing that we need to know about emotions, sufferings, emotions, is this is what naturally comes out of all of our hearts and minds is this idea that the Lord is in squarely to be blamed for the emotion that we are feeling, both true and false. And yet there's in all this, this if is this idea of, of conditional or the fact that somehow it's that that if, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had done this or if it had gone a little bit differently or if you had cared or if you had been here if you were present any of these if moments are naturally coming out of our hearts as humans when we suffer we want to blame somewhere and as believers we immediately go straight to the Lord this is what we see in the psalmists I mean this is where we go as we just say Lord we know that you're sovereign. We know that you're in control, and yet I'm not feeling like you, like you care at all. Like, Lord, if, if, if. And so just your emotions should be validated if in a season of suffering, pain, you just start a prayer and you begin to blame or you begin to question. This is what Mary And Martha and the Jews are all kind of pivoting to Lord and saying, your timing is terrible, Lord, if you had been here. And now when Jesus saw her weeping, when the Jews had come with her also weeping, in the moment of suffering and grief, what are just natural emotions that come along with grief, is this idea that we weep, we cry, we grieve, There's an outward expression to what those things are. This is Jesus. Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit. As he saw others weep, he did not stand on the outside of that weeping and just staring at weepers. He was deeply moved by their weeping, so too, and he was greatly troubled. This is the man of sorrows, the man of many griefs. Isaiah 53, we rightly and truly, we we attach it to the moment of of Jesus' passion and his cross and him crying out to the Lord. And yet in this moment, he is bearing, literally bearing with our griefs. And he is greatly troubled when we are troubled. As a community of faith, we can come alongside, but we will do that imperfectly. But we have Jesus Christ, the incarnate, coming alongside and deeply moved and troubled alongside with us. And he said, where is he? And I said, the Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. The emotions of suffering are natural and good. And he weeps, and he is troubled, and he is moved to such a degree that the only conclusion is that he loved him. Oftentimes, those people who grieve the deepest love the deepest. Most often, those people who grieve well are the ones who actually love well. This is John 11, and this is a beautiful picture of our Savior Jesus, who absorbed our griefs and sorrow so much so that it impacted him to a large degree. For some reason, there's a sentiment out there that Christians don't have to grieve, or that Christians have to have it all together or everything is happy, class clappy Christianity or something like that. Well, if that is so, then we would not have a passage like this. I would go so far to say that like unchristian or non-christian to, for you to feel like you have to have it all together. You don't. It's wrong. We weren't built to die. We're built to live. And yet because of sin, this is what separates us. And this is what is, I mean, this is unnatural. We are supposed to grieve the loss of people that we hold dear. This is what Jesus is experiencing. These emotions are given by God himself. These are emotions expressed by God himself. To say it another way, Romans 12 would say this. It is our job as the family of Christ to rejoice with those who rejoice and also to weep with those who weep. The reason I highlighted these two words is because these two words emulate John 11. We don't stare at people who weep. We don't just look at the people Who weep. We don't just stand on the sidelines with people who weep. We actually weep with those who weep. We are impacted in such a way that we cannot hold back our emotions. Oftentimes we try to protect ourselves from this because this gets ugly and this gets embarrassing. And we don't like the way that we feel during these moments. And the scriptures are clear. If Christendom had an attribute, it means we will throw the greatest parties and that we will be the saddest people. And that is not a contradiction. In fact, that's the most beautiful picture. Is there a way that the fragrance of death and the fragrance of Jesus can be the same thing? Is there a way that we can worship God in our weeping? The scriptures say that that's so, that we grieve well. The Bible is clear that we are are to have emotions. There is a book of the Bible called Lamentations, which by very definition is to mourn deeply and passionately. The Bible is clear we are to we are to grieve with emotions. The second thing is that there's an impact of suffering. And it should actually come alongside and it should actually it should have an impact on us. And for that, we'll turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Some of you can't find Ecclesiastes. That's fine. I'll have it up here. That's all right. No judgment. It's, it's uh, one of those... Uh, Um, less-worn pages in your Bible. So this is Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 3. So this is suffering's impact on us. Um, Let's just read it. The day of death is better than the day of birth, Ecclesiastes would say. That there's something on this day that is actually better than this day. We'll keep going. It is better to go to the house of mourning. That's where we are today. That's where we were yesterday. And to go to the house of feasting. It is better. Death is better. Now funerals are better. And here's the comma that, Makes it, makes it make sense. For this is the end of mankind and the living will lay it to heart. There's something that we think about. There's things that we take to heart here and here that we cannot do any other place. You see, because sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of faith, the heart is made glad. The ecclesiast, the, the, the psalmist here Sounds like a lunatic because he is cutting against the natural grain of all things that we know of. When we think of gladness and we think of better, what we think of is Needland Stadium or birthday parties, or we look to the Times Square and the New Year's Eve party, and it's five, four, three, two, one that's what makes me glad, and those are the things that are better. He's not discounting those things or those places. He's just saying to get to the heart of the matter and trying to get to the depths of your soul, you actually have to stare at death and sorrow and mourning in a way that we do celebration. And so in our sadness, and in places of mourning is actually where we get a better understanding of life itself. You see, yesterday, as we had a celebration of life for Kelly Mata's, for Kelly Mata, we all had to contemplate our own mortality. We all looked at Kelly Mata and everything that she, everything that summed her up, joy, a smile, faith. But even broader than that, she was a mom, she was a spouse, and she was a church member. And all of us, seeing the smile say, well, I smile. Seeing her have joy say, well, I have a little joy. She had a kid. I've got a kid. She had a spouse. i got a spouse. She was relatively young. I'm relatively young. There was something that happened in her heart that was different than the last birthday party that we attended. The Ecclesiastes says that we should not be surprised by that. Instead, we actually should absorb this And we would see that it has a great impact on our life. And so if you dodge grief and sadness and sorrow, if you are only an adrenaline junkie or the one who just like marks off your task list and goes to the next thing and you don't pause and reflect and contemplate the end of life, your heart will will be made shallow and potentially... You won't even know what gladness feels like. Is suffering a time of worship? Are there beauties in suffering? The psalmist tells us that it is so. So not only does suffering have emotions, but suffering also has an impact. And what about suffering's timing? That's where we'll turn to Psalm, Psalm 34, Psalm 34, if you don't have it, that's okay. Three verses here. So this is suffering's timing. I will bless the Lord at all times. The first thing that you need to know about suffering and suffering's timing is that we can't dodge the idea is that at all times and all places and all circumstances, which includes suffering and pain and loss, separation, at all times we are to bless the Lord and his praise shall continually be on my mouth. The time space continuum is not broken in verse 1. And he just says, I will bless the Lord at all times. No matter what the Lord has on our plate at this time, we are to embrace it and accept it. And no matter what, out of the heart, says, I will bless the Lord. Do you remember Job after Job had all of that tragedy and great terror? came upon his life. He says, the the Lord both gives and takes away. And then do you remember the next phrase? Blessed be the name of the Lord, who both gives and takes away. We cannot undo Psalm 31.1. This is in his timing. And then verse 2 gets a little interesting. Verse 2 says this, May my, uh, my soul makes its boast in the Lord, And so let the humble, or also this idea, not just the humble, right? Another way of describing the humble is actually downcast. And so let the humble, or the ones who are cast down or downcast, or another way to to, to describe it is the afflicted. And so if you are humble or downcast or afflicted, let the hear and be glad. And so there is a way in which the Ecclesiastes would tell us that gladness happens to the downcast. Gladness helps even to the afflicted. You and I have bad definitions for gladness because now in Ecclesiastes and now we have in Psalm 34, twice this idea that gladness can be attached to sorrow or pain or humility. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us, congregation, let us exalt his name forever. Suffering's timing is that we, as long as we walk this planet and into the afterlife, we will exalt his name forever in all things. The way C.S. Lewis would put it, he says that God whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. He speaks to us more clearly in our pain than he will ever in our pleasantries. Suffering's timing is interesting. For whatever reason, the Lord has brought this amount of suffering and pain and bad health prognosis, and he has brought the death of Kelly Mata to our congregation, a little bitty church in East Tennessee. She could have been at any church in any other place in the world, and yet Kelly Mata and Redstone Church were glued together for this time. I don't know why. This is in God's timing. It's in His sovereignty. And yet it's easy to realize that her impact had a great impact on us, and we will forever be changed for knowing her and knowing her well. We have read Isaiah 53. um, But in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus was both pierced and struck for us. For a lot of us suffering looks like this piece of wood that it would have no value for us that it's in the back of our garage just laying there it's already had its use and it's moved on this is a pretty weak board that's been discarded and would not be used by another carpenter for anything. And so what we look at when we see sticks like this, we go, well, it's probably pretty useless. And yet, what suffering does is that it couples some things together. And just two Pieces of wood together is stronger than just one piece of really rotten wood but then what happens if there's more piercing what if that happens not just once but what if it happens twice over and over and over and over again. And what if the Lord doesn't seem like He's relenting at all? These nails are holding this together and somehow some way making this pretty rotten piece of wood somehow some way more solid and stronger than it was before this piece of wood is different than it was you see it's it now has it's got more holes in it both Oh, under and over, it now has more holes than when it started. Somehow, some way, just, the, just the hearing the nails or the hammer, we were, it was a piercing noise that seemed harsh and abrupt. Now that piece of wood actually has an unintended neighbor or inhabitant for that piece of wood that it didn't ask for. And so maybe, just maybe, harshness of the sound or the added holes from the nails or now that piece of wood is filled with more metal than and even wanted maybe just maybe it becomes stronger in the process we have to deal with suffering and the way that we do that is to understand that it is an emotional thing. We have to understand not only is that it's, that it's emotional, but that it has a great impact on us. And we have to understand that it has a timing. This morning, we want to spend the rest of our time together in prayer in praying back to the Lord John 11, Romans 12, Ecclesiastes 7, and Psalm 34. The best teaching or training that I can do for you as your pastor this morning is to lead you back to the scriptures and potentially have us pray God's word back to him. Um, We'll probably go a good 10 minutes or so. Um, We would encourage you to stay with us as long as possible, right? Try to stay engaged and be open to what the Lord is actually teaching you, teaching us in this time of suffering for our church. Let's pray. First, Lord, we're going to talk about just uh, the emotions That's involved in suffering. And so just spend some time being real honest about what you feel when it comes to suffering and pain. Maybe share with him the outrage that you're feeling. A safe space to even question God in this moment. We heard the natural instinct is to say, Lord, if. It's okay. This space is to know that that is a part of the grieving process. And if you've been holding your cards too close to your chest, being open with the Lord, honestly and completely. Your suffering and your pain is real. It's okay to ask questions. He is the Father of all comforts. He's not afraid or scared of your questions, He's not put off by them. hear that Jesus was greatly troubled and in seeing others weep he weeped and we are to weep with those who weep first and foremost we want to pray and thank God for sad emotions that were given to us by God we see it in Jesus and thank God for those emotions Secondly, potentially, think about your your crying schedule. How often you cry. I know for me it had been a long time. And maybe even ask, Lord, if this is an emotion that you gave, help me to experience that. Help me to love others in such a way that I weep with those who weep. Not just stare at them or feel compassion, but I come alongside and shed a tear. This third emotion that we stumbled upon, Lord, is this idea that suffering and pain And gladness can coexist in the same universe. Spend some time talking to the Lord about these two things that, as a society, we've pushed at opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet you are the one bringing those back together. tells us that the impact of suffering on our life can actually be a glorious and a good thing if you knew Kelly we would encourage you to thank God for her and her life and her testimony And as we talked as a church body about who she is and even the sufferings that she was going through, just share the impact of just walking alongside other people's sickness and other people's death because it impacts us to a great degree. Spend some time talking about just the grief in your life, the suffering in your life, And the impact, how you have been changed to see God differently and to see life differently. Sufferings, timing. There are some of us in this room that do not want to believe Psalm 34: that I will bless the Lord at all times and continually have His praise on my lips. That even in a time of humble or afflicted or downcast, oh, magnify the Lord. We struggle, Lord, with your timing and suffering. So if you're struggling with the Lord, you're struggling with his timing, confess that to him. Maybe you had a father ripped out of your life as a kid. Maybe you had a business stripped away overnight. Maybe you are the one who had really bad health news this week. for us to trust or distrust and question God's timing. And yet suffering has a timing. And none of it is out of his control. And so we have to trust the sovereign Lord who is in control with all things, both his giving and his taking away to bless his holy name. you're in a season of suffering now and bitterness has made root in your heart would you ask the Lord to change your bitterness into blessing or instead of questioning the Lord that somehow some way you could bless him these are hard hard asks of the Lord but maybe just maybe you arrived in here maybe even as a guest this morning, carrying a burden that you've been carrying for decades. And maybe, just maybe the Lord in His moment, in this time, in His timing, is encouraging you now just to lay that burden down at His feet. Maybe you walked in here so bitter at the Lord because He has taken so many precious things from you. And you're tight-fisted, and you're closed off. Or maybe, just maybe, you have had so much weeping in your life, you've grown completely dull, and you've cut yourself off from all feeling. Maybe the Lord is calling you back and asking you to trust Him this morning. cried a lot this week our families cried a lot this week our congregation will continue to grieve for months and days and years and the bad news won't stop with Kelly or stage 4 melanoma So we're going to have to know a way to handle suffering and pain and loss and grief. Help us potentially to start today to believe that you are good, even in really bad situations. Help us to trust you now. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. And so some of us have so much question in our heart about God's suffering, that certainly God would not allow this. If he loved me, he wouldn't allow it. We know that none of that is true because of what he allowed for his son, Jesus. We ask the Lord continually, Lord, do not allow me to go through the suffering. And yet he allowed that from his very son, Jesus. Suffering is a gospel moment. Suffering is an understanding of the gospel. And so if he allowed his perfect, holy, beautiful son to suffer, yes, he will allow his children to suffer. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my, my, my body given for you. He then takes some wine. And he says, this is blood spilled, shed, poured out for you suffering is a gospel moment and we know that there's a man of sorrows who bore our grief and our sorrows for us this morning is highly emotional I get that some of you are struggling with emotional emotions that you're just not sure what to do with and so therefore we've got four really trusted friends in the back that want to walk alongside whatever you're walking alongside today Let us rejoice gladly. Oftentimes, your grief and your pain is a congregational moment. And so these men and women are in the back. We would encourage you not to leave here and just bear this alone, but instead to go back and to cling to a brother or sister in Christ and say, can you help me? Can you pray for me? They're in the back. Also, we've got men in every corner that will... Uh, distribute and and give out communion. And it will look a little bit like this table, where you will see a representative of of Christ's body and and a little thimble of juice that represents Jesus' blood. And you will take and you will say, Lord, I remember you who bore sin and shame for me. Can sorrow and suffering be a worship service? It better be. Because week in and week out, we'll come to this table to worship what he has done, what he has suffered on our behalf. Go ahead and stand and take all the time you want. Y'all, we're not on a time schedule this morning. And so if you need to pray, go pray. If you want to take this meal, take this meal. Um, We'll bless the Lord together.